everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Emily Garrison. You might remember me from the very first episode that went up a year ago. Today, I'll be turning the tables on Madison and interviewing her about the impact the Potter series has had on her. We do have a few trigger warnings for this episode. We will be talking about sexual assault and substance abuse in this episode. So do take care of yourself and don't listen if that's what you need. All right, everyone, let's dive in. Good morning, Madison. Good morning, Emily. How are you today? I am all right. We have uh, we've had quite the morning already. <laughs> I'm telling you, Mercury in retrograde does not play around. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. Um, everyone listening, we have been trying to record this for about 90 minutes now, <laughs> and we, so fingers crossed that this is our you know, that this works. Um, Absolutely. All right, Madison. So you are in the seat today. So why don't we start by you telling us a little bit more about yourself, what um, maybe your listeners don't know. So what you do, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, besides hosting this podcast, um, I am a writer. I like to write poetry and fiction and I live in Portland with my husband and my lovely dog, Ellie, who is sleeping on the couch next to me right now. <laughs> and I do some muggle work in insurance. It's not especially interesting, but uh, <laughs> it helps pay the bills. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I completely understand that. <laughs> awesome. So let's start. Let's kick it off with tell me about your Hogwarts house. What's your Patronus? And then I want to know who's your favorite hero and who is your favorite villain in the Potter series. Yeah. Changing it up on me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Uh, So I am a Gryffindor, um, tried and true for a very long time. My Patronus is an Osprey, which is a bird of prey that dives into the water. And yeah, it's it's badass. It's a badass bird. My favorite, oh, okay, I'll start with my favorite villain, who is probably Bellatrix Lestrange. Absolutely. Um, she's she's just so, she's so dramatic and, you know, I just the way she runs around and screams all the time, you know, I just, I, I understand that. <laughs> I understand that feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, favorite hero... I think today, like it probably varies more, but I'm leaning toward Ginny Weasley today. Ooh. Um, I I think the way that she like rose up after Chamber of Secrets and, you know, started kind of s- quiet and scared and then went through something terrifying and then was like, you know what? Like, I'm a boss ass bitch and everyone can stay out of my way. So. Absolutely. She, and you know, I, I feel like she doesn't get enough rep. Like, yeah, we all know the movies and we get it. Right. You know, book Ginny just kills it on a whole different level. And I think she really embodies Molly Weasley like that. Yes, absolutely. She's a, her mother's daughter. For sure. So what is your favorite Harry Potter book? My favorite book is Goblet of Fire. Um, Yes. Love the tournament. It's a good, great, great, 
great book. The seven chests, you know, the seven locks moody at the bottom of the chest. That was like terrifying as a child, but in a like, no way kind of way. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it was like one of the first like times reading it where I was really like, no, oh my gosh. You know, cause yeah. Polyjuice potion's cool, and we learn about it, you know, throughout the series. But then it's like, oh my gosh, like somebody actually used this. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's <laughs> an adult. Um, that's amazing. And so, finally, what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie is Deathly Hallows Part One. That's interesting. The whole like hunting Horcruxes, Forest of Dean. I just love all of that, and it informed a lot of my interests as a young adult. After I saw it, i.e., running around in the forest and uh-huh. you know looking for Horcruxes. Horcruxes. Mm-hmm. Exactly, I've been Horcrux hunting my whole life. That's amazing. So um, really quickly before we get in, I do want to say thank you so much, Madison, for letting me do this with you. Um, not only because I was able to do it last year, but being able to be on this uh, side of the process has been really fun. And I think what Beyond the Veil has done is really created a safe space for people in the fandom and maybe who aren't even involved that heavily to feel comfortable in talking about, you know, this is what I struggle with. This is how Harry Potter has helped that. And I think you've given a lot of almost credibility or maybe even validation that it is more than a book or a movie. And so um, I'm just, I'm really thankful for that. And I'm thankful to be a part of it. Ow, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It, it's one of the things I wanted when I started out with the podcast. And um, yeah, it. I'm glad that it feels that way on the outside as well. It's a hope a space I hoped to create and I am uh, grateful it feels that way. So <laughs> awesome. So let's get into it. Yes. <laughs> so what was your first experience with the Harry Potter series? My first experience with the Potter series, um, I was in the second grade and my grandfather was telling me about this book that he'd heard about on the radio where all of these kids were lining up at bookstores to go get the book. And at first I was like, "Mm, no, that sounds popular. And I don't want to do what's popular because I was, you know, I wanted to be so cool when I was eight years old. Um, (laughs) But then I, he bought it for me and I read it and it completely changed my world. Um, there are so many it's easy to just obsess over the potter series right like to just all the characters and then all of the the universe and then searching for patterns you know like i remember going on to mugglenet when i was a kid and seeing these articles that were like here are all the times the number 12 appears in the series here are all the times the number seven appears um and i was already at that age struggling with ocd and Mm -hmm. I was counting, I was counting things endlessly. I was uh, rereading words. My mind was just, it was like there was all of this noise when I was very young. Um, I've always been an anxious person. And when I was uh, about six, I had a pretty traumatic experience of sexual assault. And I wasn't, 
uh, I didn't get therapy for it, which mm-hmm. wasn't good. <laughs> um, right. And so, you know, that even if you get therapy, you'll still struggle probably if you have that experience. But because I didn't, yeah. it really amplified um, all of the, you know, all of the negative experiences, feelings that come afterward. But with the Harry Potter series, it kind of took away all of the noise that was in my head. It it turned that noise into something organized. Like the noise became music, if that makes sense. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, that it, it completely uh, helped me find stability, I guess, in all of the chaos that was inside my mind. That's really... <sighs> it's such a dichotomy of something beautiful and something traumatic that you're saying, you know, I had this noise and I was, you know, going to ask how did, you know, being anxious and having OCD play into Harry Potter, but you kind of already answered it, that it, it was able to turn that into music. And I think that that's really profound and a beautiful way of putting that. How did Harry Potter like play into you know, dealing with those more mental health issues um, when you first found the series? I think I didn't have much of an understanding of mental health when I was young. Um, Most people don't. And um, I think what it helped with is, I guess it, it made me feel like maybe I was more normal. Um in all of that noise, I kind of lost the sense of who I was. Um, mm-hmm. Like it was hard to know. I did this thing where I would look at words and I would, you know, you learn prefixes and suffixes. So mm-hmm. I would look at the words, like the word prefix, it would be before fix, you know, pre and, but then I would go deeper and then look at before and it's kind of hard to explain. It was just this thing with words that was ringing through my head all the time. And eventually with the Potter series, that was able to quiet down because I could just read something that I was really interested in. And so I was able to have conversations with people that I couldn't before. Like before that point, I just would have been really loud, you know, and just started laughing and because <laughs> I was super, super anxious. And the only way to act was to just be wild so it helped me I guess it helped me regulate my emotions in a way that I hadn't been able to before yeah it's almost like it was channeling maybe some of that anxious energy yeah definitely is there any one book that you can like pinpoint as like this was a turning point for me yeah um so I was probably I think I was like in the fifth grade or so when Order of the Phoenix came out Mm-hmm. Um, and up until this point, I'd had like a super wonderful relationship with the series. Um, it had been, you know, like that thing that helped me regulate my emotions. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather was basically my best friend. Um, he introduced me to the series and we talked about it all the time. We talk on the phone every night. Uh, he would come get lunch with me at school sometimes. He actually took me to see Sorcerer's Stone and we snuck into an earlier showing because it wasn't full. (laughs) You know, you feel like such a badass as a kid doing something (laughs) like that. (laughs) Um, 
and it was, you know, it, it was the foundation of our relationship. But um, at that time in my life, uh, we had a really major conflict in my family. And after that, my grandfather was no longer a part of my life. And wow. yeah, the the relationship with the books kind of changed after Order of the Phoenix. So how, I mean, what did that look like? What What was the change? Well, I guess I felt really betrayed by my grandfather in what had happened. Mm-hmm. And so reading the books afterwards, it had been, you know, this place of like safety and comfort and, you know, bringing my anxiety levels down. But now reading the books was filled with these really sad thoughts, you know, these memories of the time that I read this with my grandfather. Um, And then, you know, like reading the fifth book, thinking about how excited I was for book six and book seven and how terribly, terribly sad I was that I wasn't going to get to experience, you know, we had gone to the midnight release for Order of the Phoenix and we, you know, we weren't going to get to do that for book six or book seven. Um, So I wanted to talk to him about Hogwarts and Horcruxes, Mm -hmm. but I was just so angry at what had happened and Mm -hmm. sad at the same time because I still wanted him to be a part of my life. And so it was, it became very bittersweet, which timing kind of works at least with the books you know Um, yeah yeah six and seven are tough but yeah yeah that that lingered until uh lingered for a very long time i mean that's interesting because it is a almost uncanny parallel to what happens in order of the phoenix i think harry experiences a lot of sense of betrayal and frustration so I I can imagine that it only exacerbated those feelings Um, it was it was a lot like losing Sirius I think yeah because he was like another parent figure you know he lived Mm -hmm. with us for a time and it it's I know that the way Harry responds after he loses Sirius is not quite as um intense as the way he responds after Mm -hmm. losing Cedric but mm-hmm. I, Order of the Phoenix became such a turning point. It's like it was in reverse, like losing Sirius first and then going into scary, angry, hairy mode. Mm-hmm. That's that's how it worked for me. Yeah, and I think it's so unpredictable, you know, how we react in those situations. And I do think, you know, um, I can only imagine how like you were saying it, you go from one day having this security and sharing this. And then the next day it's, it's gone almost overnight. Yeah. That's thank you for sharing that. Um, So around this time, like was anything else going on that was kind of adding fuel to the fire um, as far as, you know, how you were handling and dealing with it? Well, there was a situation with my grandfather, everything I experienced in childhood. And uh, I had some really difficult high school years, uh, as a lot of people do, and predictably someone who had already been through a lot and not gone to therapy for any of it had. Um, I had a very bad relationship. and But things 
they did start to get better. You know, after the bad relationship, I I got into a very, very good one. Um, with the man I ended up marrying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I became closer with a lot of the people who are my friends right now, like you and um, <laughs> Connor. And, but at the same time, um, I was kind of on a, it was strange because there were these like, you know, opposing paths where I was getting these better relationships and in these better relationships, I kind of started like falling back in love with the Potter series, you know, mm-hmm. you, and Connor, my other friends really liked Harry Potter and finding somebody who cared about it as much again, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it let the, the tone of the books change and I got to come at them from a perspective. It was maybe, maybe getting to look at the, um, books with a more authentic understanding of the tone of what it meant to lose somebody. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a different kind of grief when you lose somebody who hasn't died. Um, But it is, it is still a grief. And I think that experiencing that along with, you know, having new relationships with people who also understood um, the impact of loss and, you know, uh, whether or not we were saying it explicitly, you know, knowing about how your mental health is affected by these things and being more understanding of other people who have gone through really difficult things in their lives. And that was all positive. And (laughs) that was a good coping mechanism to have friends. And I was uh, not coping as well in other ways when it came Mm to you know, we were getting a little older, so started drinking more, started doing like recreational drugs. And Mm -hmm. that was, like you said, that was adding fuel to Mm -hmm. the fire. I think, you know, that's, you said um, it's a different kind of grief losing someone who's still alive. And Mm -hmm. I think that is so true. And that's something I, people don't really talk about, right? Because I think there's a little bit of like almost... I don't know if it's shame, but it's it's worse than betrayal. It's worse than, I think, some of the normal, quote-unquote, processes of grief because that person is still there, and it's a choice that they've made Yeah, that is, you know, fractured that relationship, and that's hard to accept, not even understand, because I think sometimes you can't, mm-hmm. but it's hard to look at someone, see the choice that they've made and say it, you know, it takes a really big person to say it's not about me. But I think for most of us, we stop at this is the choice they made. And I think it takes a long time to accept and see that it wasn't about you. It's that's, that's really profound that it is. It's such a different form of grief. Wow. The word shame. Hi, Ellie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It feels really, it rings really true because all of the conflicting messages we get about how we're supposed to love people, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it just becomes, I don't know. I don't know if those messages are given by people who have, you know, really understand what it's like to experience something so complicated. It's, yeah. 
it's not cut and dry, the situation, you know, it's uh, more recently in my life, I've been really dealing with the anger that I've felt over a lot of the things that I've been through. And mm-hmm. I think only in dealing with the anger, have I been able to recognize how truly deeply saddened and saddened and how deeply I'm grieving for something at this point, this happened almost 20 years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's tough, but looking at it for its truth is much easier than hiding behind, uh, you know, a wall of anger the size of the Empire State Building (laughs) ever was. Absolutely. Because it's, you know, I, I stand by that quote, and I don't know who said it, but you know, the root of all anger is fear. And it is yeah. you're fearful of the love you lost, you're fearful of who you are outside of this, because you know, it uh, shame and fear go hand in hand. And it's just so hard, because it does manifest as anger. And, you know, I think it's a really, I love that you said looking at it for its truth, because that's all you can do. Yeah. And I just, I think that that's really inspiring. You know, the best we can do sometimes is see a situation for as it is and that's it. Yeah, definitely. And that's, it's hard, but it's so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you were saying, you know, on the one hand, there was this really positive aspect of finding this group of people who kind of almost reinvigorated your joy for the Potter series. But then on the flip side, it was, you know, kind of self-coping in a way that wasn't super positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did the relationship shift from, you know, drinking a lot, using recreational drugs? Like, when did that shift? And was the Potter series a part of that? I definitely, it was during college that I... We'll say, I think you can use mind altering substances responsibly. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I wasn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, I was using them to cope through a very large load at school. Um, and then after I graduated and I got married, um, it was that after that time that. I was the substance use really came to a peak partially mm-hmm. because I was my plans post-graduation didn't work out. Um, mm-hmm. Every, you know, every job that I found, I was not finding good jobs. Um, I was, cause I was very vulnerable. I was kind of being preyed on by people who are, you know, they're not looking to give you a job. They're looking to give you an amazing opportunity that you just need to, mm-hmm pay some money for (laughs) yeah exactly yeah feeling you know feeling kind of useless not being able to get work um the substance use came to its peak and but at the same time i saw um an ad to volunteer with mugglenet and even though the series you know it it had been a i had a much more positive relationship with it but I wasn't like, you know, reading Harry Potter stuff every day, but it just felt right. You know, like mm-hmm. this is the thing. It's always been there for me. And I applied 
and I got, you know, I got the position and I started really delving into Harry Potter in a way that I hadn't for years. Um, I guess starting to volunteer with MuggleNet and being around all of these people who not just loved Harry Potter, but they had this, this family feel, you know, it's like mm-hmm. dropping into the burrow with these strangers from the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that feeling, people really caring what you have to say, you know, when you write an article, cause I was on the creative team writing articles. Um, and you know, I, people on the internet will comment when you have something posted on Facebook and it was really empowering to hear that people were reading my words and what I had to say. That whole environment was kind of like what I thought church was supposed to be like when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, That feeling, you know, just like that warm, wonderful feeling of family and having that, you know, work that I cared about doing um, people that cared about me. It was very, very empowering and it was at a time where besides what I was doing with MuggleNet I was the person who I was like myself my sense of self was like a totaled car like uh, just completely shattered everything that had happened up in my life up until that point just you know it, it just broke right out in front of me I felt broken as a person I didn't know what any path forward was, and I didn't have the language to understand exactly why I felt this way, which was really scary, (laughs) you know? Absolutely, yeah. That work that I was doing, you know, I was reading, I was doing so much reading, and I was reading a lot about literary alchemy and the process of changing yourself, um, you know, through like kind of the more ancient concepts of alchemy and the Jungian psychological concepts. Mm-hmm. And that is when I realized that I didn't have to continue existing as I did. I realized that that was not helping me. And I was able to say no more. It wasn't easy, but that's that's what changed it. You know, doing something that I felt, being in an environment where I felt cared for and loved and doing something that I really cared about for the first time in a long time. That's wonderful. I think not only, you know, belonging to such a great family, um, because I do remember when you, you started writing from UncleNet and there was a very visible shift of um, empowerment. You know, it was, I was watching you able to say, hey, I'm doing this and I'm following through. And it, it just, it was really amazing to see. Um, and then, you know, it was cool too, because you were able to do a lot. You were able to do a lot with MuggleNet and I kind of wanted to touch on something a little bit lighter, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was able to go to the celebration, um, festival with you in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you, you know, you've done way more uh, like Potter cons and going to meet these people that you work with on the internet. What is it like meeting them in person? It's, it's like nothing else. <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the first time it was like, Oh my God, these are strangers. Like you're mm-hmm. not supposed to fly across the country to 
hang out with a bunch of people who you talk with on forums, not that they were <laughs> forums, but you know, that's the message that I had from my younger years. <laughs> and it's, it's just like, it's like, and maybe, you know, this is my experience, but it was just like falling into friendship with people who you hadn't, you know, maybe you didn't actually know them your whole life, but mm-hmm. it felt that way. Mm-hmm. It, it felt that way so quickly. My first con was in Las Vegas and um, my friend Kat, you know, within five mm-hmm. minutes of meeting me, she she said something very, very simple, but it really changed my perspective. She just, there were somebody by the pool we walked by, they were playing Journey over the radio and I just started screaming the words to Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> Because that's what you do. Right, Um, right. And she just looked at me and said, I like you. And, And it's, I feel silly even saying it, but just to have somebody who doesn't know you just like look at you with, with love that way for being the person who you are, like, you know, that, that really, that really changed things for me that I felt all of these in-person cons, you know, like you mentioned celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a, that was a big one for me mm-hmm. because, you know, it was 19 years later. Like it felt like in some ways, I mean, it was like the physical end all of the time in the actual Harry Potter books from the first scene to the epilogue, you know, in real time, that was the day it was September 1st, 2017 the day that the epilogue takes place and Mm -hmm. I couldn't stop thinking of my grandfather on that day. And in some ways, you know, I was surrounded by my online friends from MuggleNet and I had you and Connor there as well. And I think I was really, in some ways, it's like, that's the day I finally let my grandfather die. Mm -hmm. I hadn't up until that point had been screaming, holding on to this idea that somehow I could fix things to be back the way that they were when I was younger. And it was only when we passed that threshold that I was able to really say, this is, this is the way that life is, you know, he's gone. And I don't think I would have been able to do that without the support. And I, I know I didn't really talk about it with anybody. I think that's the kind of thing that ends up being pretty private because I I was alone on a bench walk between the resort and the park crying my eyes out actually and like all of these families with children were walking by and like (laughs) their parents all looked so concerned and I was like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Let's go. (laughs) They're like, Um, she really loves Harry Potter. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's meeting people in person. um, The value of having those uh, physical, you know, relationships, IRL, even if they start online, it's invaluable, I think. I think they are seeing people at cons as an opportunity for major catharsis. It always has been for me. That's it is so interesting in life how someone who, like you said, doesn't really know you, they don't know a lot about you, they don't know your life, 
but they can say something so simple. And like you said, they see you. They see your authentic self through everything else. And it, that's all it takes. And I think that that is what actual unconditional love is. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it doesn't have to be romantic or anything like that, but it is, it is someone seeing you as you are. Yeah. And I think it's amazing that you were able to, you know, be a fan, go through this transition with the series. And I remember the day you told me that you were going to write for MuggleNet and I just was sitting there like, of course she is. <laughs> like, that's what she should be doing. And it just, my heart was so full because I was just like, I'm so proud of her. I'm so happy for her that she was able to, it's almost like commit to the dream that yeah. is, you know, <laughs> Harry Potter. And I think, you know, it has been such an amazing journey for you. And I think it's so important to find your family and it doesn't, you know, whatever that means to you. And I think you've really done an amazing job of cultivating that, you know, not just with me, like somebody from high school, but, you know, with, with MuggleNet and having such a unique experience. I don't think a lot of people get that. And I think um, it's a million times deserved and and warranted because you are, you are one of the coolest people. You're (laughs) one of the best. Um, for those of you who don't know, Madison was in my wedding recently, and there was a lip sync off, and oh, she gosh. was <laughs> instrumental in my team winning. It was amazing. <laughs> so I understand why Kat was like, I like you, because <laughs> you just are great with that. So uh, this is almost like a two-part question. Mm-hmm. What made you, or what inspired you to do Beyond the Veil? And then my second part to that would be, was it daunting to think I'm going to share my story too? Mm-hmm. I think as the longer I worked with MuggleNet and the more I wrote, the more I wanted to, I mean, my relationship with the Harry Potter series is complicated. Um, and I wanted to be able to articulate that and talk about how you can, love something so much but that it's not just gonna be you know sunshine and daisies it felt you know it was that was my the truth I was experiencing and it felt important for me to to say that and so I initially the podcast was a um it was just a column on my not just a column but it's a lot more right now I guess Mm -hmm. um it and I was writing it under a pen name because I, um, with all that happened with my family, I wanted to be careful to protect people's identities. Um, and, but then the response that I got, you know, I had people, people, you know, reading my story and reading about what I had gone through, everything. You know, I've, I've written a lot about my experiences on there and people were responding sometimes with their own stories and sometimes just thanking me for sharing my truth and that's when i that's when the light bulb came on and it was like mm-hmm. i know i'm not the only person who needs to share a deep truth about the potter series mm-hmm. and and it was 
it was very scary. I mean, writing the articles was scary, but initially I, I had wanted to do the podcast under a pseudonym. I didn't mm-hmm. want to use my real name. I, there was this whole, <laughs> I had, I had a pseudonym for the, the thing, you know, nobody on the staff knew who was writing the weird new column, <laughs> <laughs> um, like Helen Dart, which, you know, it, it was, there was this part of it that was a little bit fun. Like, I get to be anonymous, you know, I don't have to, mm-hmm. I don't have to be Madison. I can be somebody mm-hmm. else for a little while. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that I was making everything much more complicated for myself by not speaking my story as I was and being the person who I truly am. And it was scary, but I was able to save myself a lot of, um, uh, just a lot of like logistical time, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. <But laughs> I think speaking my story as myself and, you know, the column has my name on it now. I, that self that I lost so long ago when I was very young has started to come back. And something actually happened recently that I think is a really wonderful metaphor for my experience and for the podcast um, I went to a coastal town called Astoria for vacation just just mm-hmm. this last weekend. Um, and I was there and I got some oysters. And when I bit into one of them, there was something really hard. And mm-hmm. I took it out and it was a pearl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was a it was an experience like Harry almost swallowing the snitch in Sorcerer's mm-hmm. Stone, you know. Um, and this this pearl, you know, it, beyond it being like a valuable mineral and all that, it was like, it was a very precious experience, you know. that's It's not very likely that you'll find an oyster in a pearl and not very likely mm-hmm. that you will find it in something that you are eating, you know. That's- Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and... I feel like the stories that I have been able to share with through the column and through the podcast and the stories that other folks have been able to share are like these, these pearls, you know, like the words falling out of our mouths, like a pearl, something beautiful and rare and precious. And it, and it's, you know, not to get too spiritual, but it does feel like everything I have heard the stories that I have heard the people I've been able to talk to every time somebody is sharing a piece of themselves it's like uh, it's like giving out their sharing their pearl with the world Mm -hmm. and that for me that's been a little bit like finding this part of refinding myself you know finding the pearl and I think it's only through seeing so many other people find theirs and share theirs that I was able to have that numinous experience. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what it feels like, I guess. That's just, you know, you and I have talked about it before, but I think, again, you've done such a great job of creating this really safe space where people do feel comfortable to share, you know, what's happened. And I think if this is the only place people can speak truth to their 
to themselves almost, then that's, you've already accomplished so much more than most people do in their whole lives because you have the capacity to sit and listen. And it, it's, it's remarkable. And it's so beautiful that it came from something to the outside world. That's just a book or a movie that you're able to unite these people and, you know, under the guise of Harry Potter. And it does play a really big part in our lives, but I think it's so much more and I'm just so pleased and happy for you that this has worked out and it's just wonderful. And I'm so grateful that I have you in my life and (laughs) it's been, I think that so much of me being able to find myself in the past couple of years has, you know, come from our relationship and the really beautiful friendship we've like, you know, just been growing furiously since <laughs> absolutely starting in high school but the past couple of years you know it, there's a the the correlation is too perfect for it not to have been you know this this relationship that we've been able to develop that you know we can hold these spaces for each other has been integral in me being able to hold space for myself and I hope that everybody listening can find whatever kind of relationship that is where, you know, it's the, reminds me of the tarot card, the King of Cups, where you have to hold space for yourself, but you can also hold space for other people to come to this kind of place of, you know, emotional peace. And thank you for helping me find my King of Cups. Oh my gosh. Well, you're so welcome. Thank you for helping me with mine. I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's so, sometimes it feels written in the stars. It really does. Um, Because like you said, it's too perfect for it to just be coincidence. Yeah. Um, Do you have any last parting words? I mean, that pearl, I'm going to like think on that for the rest of the day, sharing your pearl. I think that's amazing. But anything else you want to add or say to your listeners? It's been a year. I can't believe it. No, I think all I have to say is just thank you. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for listening and thank you for sharing and participating in this. Uh, It's, you know, one of many areas in the world where we can have community. But I just to every person listening, I just. I, I hope that you feel seen in one way or another. I hope that you know that, you know, I I look at the numbers. So like every every time someone listens, I know, you know, I, I see that it pops up and it's not about like, I want the most downloads. Ha ha ha. Um, it's <laughs> I, I want by coming to a podcast, by coming to another person, by reaching out, of yourself and connecting with another person, you know, that's just the most important thing that you can do. And while I'm here behind the, you know, in your ears, in your earbud, in the car, whatever it is, I am here with you in other ways, the ways that the people who you love are always with you. We're all in this universe together and I'm just happy that we get to ride along this Harry Potter wave (laughs) as we're we're going along. So thank you. 
Well, thank you, Madison. Again, I really appreciate being able to do this with you. And it was such a joy hearing your story. Thank you, Emily, for uh, holding such a lovely container for me so that I don't just start cracking jokes every 10 seconds to cope with the discomfort. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's okay. Right, right. (laughs) I'll do that later. (laughs) Exactly. I hope you all enjoyed this special episode of Beyond the Veil. A huge thanks to Emily for being today's host and for all of her patience as our recording process was constantly interrupted and delayed by software issues and ghosts and whatever else was happening on that day. (laughs) For everyone listening, I am so excited to start another year of this podcast with you. We have tons of interviews ready to share, special episodes in the works, and some bonus content on our Patreon if you're interested in supporting the podcast that way. You can find us at patreon.com slash beyondtheveilpod. On social media, we are also Beyond the Veil Pod, except for on Twitter, where we are Beyond the Veil, M-N, M as in Muggle, N as in Nargles. Join me next time for another conversation in the Headmaster's office. Take care.